This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. To get a free audiobook download and 30-day trial, visit audibletrial.com slash insideoutside. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash insideoutside to download your free audiobook today. Also, Dillashaw LLC. Not all attorneys are focused on startup legal issues. From setting up your entity to vesting agreements and term sheets, Bart has the experience and connections working with startups everywhere and has been a trusted resource for startups in the Valley, Austin, and around the Midwest. If you've ever created a product, you know it's difficult. There are hundreds of things to think about simultaneously, and sometimes actually getting people to use your product goes by the wayside for seemingly more important endeavors. The fact is, it's actually the most important thing you can focus on. In today's episode, we caught up with Justin Mayers, author of Traction, the definitive guide on getting attention for your product. All this and more on this episode of Inside Outside. Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is the podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley. Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Inside Outside. You're looking to startups outside Silicon Valley. My name's Matt Boyd. I'm Brian Ardinger. And I'm Paul Jarrett. How's it going? Have we, uh, we've taken a little break. Back from vacation. First yeah. time I was off the grid for look since the grid was created. And I'm excited. Tan. I'm so super excited <laughs> to be back. You guys look like you have some life in you. Yeah, I was on a, a boat. Tan. I was uh, on a boat. I brushed my teeth this morning. There you go. That's sweet. <laughs> so where did you guys go? Where was boat and where was... I just went back to Missouri, back to my hometown. <laughs> I know Missouri. that's not, not exciting, but... Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I was in the West Indies. St. Martin, St. Kitts. Is that near Barbados. Missouri? It's near Missouri. I figured, yeah. On on the way through. Yeah. Missouri. Now, how how was it um, being disconnected um, off the grid? Off the grid. Well, first of all, I was surprised that you could. I was actually be asking the Matt grid. that in Missouri, didn't? <laughs> no, I can't. Said the Nebraska guy. <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to actually get off the grid. There's, I mean, we are in a place in Barbados and on the beach, and you get free Wi-Fi on the beach in Barbados, and it's like, really? But didn't you do selfies of not. like you no, on the beach? No. You didn't do We're the off. feet on the beach? No, no. Center. There was no posting. Center. <laughs> so, but I'm back. I'm excited. Let's Did go. you do feet on the beach in Missouri, Matt? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's splinting. Yeah. I got in a muddy lake. <laughs> Feet in the crud. Yeah. So what are we chatting about today, so gentlemen? Let's talk about uh, competition. So this week we're going to talk about competition. A um, little bit about, you know, how much do you pay attention to the competition? My adrenaline's already saying? pumping. <laughs> it's my Gallup number nice. one strength. So, so even the word just gets so, me fired up. So get us started. Oh, man. Um, I guess my first question would be, what's the... Who are we competing with, or who's what's the the and what is the competition? Is it against other startups? Is it against like um, your product competition for your startup, or is it yeah. first? First, you have to identify a competitor. Right, I'm so fired up, I can't even get my <laughs> thoughts straight. I'm like, who, who, where are we going? Who are we going against? Let's go. Let's crush them. Let's go. No, um, but what is that? I, I assume it's who your product is competing with, but. Um, also, you could be like competing with somebody for recruiting talent or whatever it is. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You know, early stage startups, they start a lot of times you have an idea and you go, first thing you do is go to Google and say, oh, you type in your idea and it's like, oh, I somebody, still do that. Somebody's got my idea. Uh, I can't start yeah. this. It's like, well, yep. no. 
that's probably a proof point that somebody at least has had the idea and maybe they have some traction. Also, maybe it's good that there's some competition out there. You're going to have competition. You will. You Absolutely. need the slide. You, you it have out. it. I don't. It does not matter what you say. You are competing with those dollars from somebody's checkbook. You might be selling a bicycle, but you're trying right. to take dollars from the horse market. Right. right? Yeah. It might not be a direct competitor, exactly. but you're competing with somebody's time, attention, dollars, resources. So how, how much should you pay attention to the competition? How much um, of your personal effort? Because you only have so many hours in the day as a founder, right? Yeah. Uh, how, how much that, should you be looking? That at? was my next question is like who, um, you know, uh, it depends on your position and who's tracking it. Right. So if it's marketing, you should really keep tabs on what other people are doing. Um, if it's, you know, a founder that isn't involved with marketing, it probably shouldn't be spending as much time. Um, I really believe that you should spend time um actually I kind of like think of it as like removing yourself from the field of play if possible. Right. So it's kind of like that red water, blue water. Like if you don't have to compete directly with somebody kind of like just get off the field and go make your own field and, and win at your own game. Um, but uh, that's I think you should, easier said than done. I think you need to know who the competition is, but you should not, drive your business by what your competition is doing. Exactly. So you should know. It's, that's really hard not to, right? Exactly. You we got caught up in that early. Yeah, like, let's crush say, these people. Well, and especially if you're de- de- developing a product, you know, you want to go feature by feature. It's like, yeah. oh, this competitor's yep. got this particular feature. It's like, well, does the market want that feature? Yep. You know, maybe they just developed it and put it in there. You, so it's important to know who your competitors are and what they're doing yep. more from how can we differentiate and how does this play into the, our particular customers is my feeling. So, I'm going to give probably too detailed of uh, experience example, but I think enough time has passed where um, it's okay to talk about it. But um, I remember when we first launched, so um, Bulu boxes, you know, when we first launched, it's not currently, um, but when we first launched, it was kind of um, subscription box for vitamins and supplements, which on the front end it's that, but on the back end we have this whole platform for people to look at their data. Anyhow, um, there was a product called clutch club, and they launched and they were very similar to us, um, if not the exact same thing. And your first thought is, oh, crap. And then you as a founder, I was, you know, researching the people running it, like obsessing probably a little bit too much about it. And like I knew I was like I was very aware of it. Um, but then you start to see that that bleeds into kind of the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Bulu, like box crew, like we got a little bit too obsessed with watching them and spending yeah. too much time on it. Um, and stupid, shit, like, like how many likes do they have on Facebook? <laughs> like how many Twitters, you know, how are they getting all these Twitter followers? Well, who knows, you know, they, they might not even be real people or whatever. So, um, it was shocking how quickly in just a couple of weeks we got obsessed with, you know, beating these people. Um, and I could see, and, and my co-founder could see that it wasn't healthy. And, you know, we made a really conscious effort after that. Like, don't talk about the competition. You, yeah, you need I, to be aware of them, but don't talk, you know, like it's, that's, it's almost like a crap. Like now I'm on to sports analogies, but it's like, you don't want to score a touchdown and rub it in somebody's face. Like you want to score a touchdown, like and act here. like you're, yeah. you've always been there. Right. Yeah. My whole, my whole thing is like, um, I always, I always kind of keep a competition at a distance because I always feel like if I look too deeply into their execution, then I'm going to pull insights that 
seeming on the surface, I feel like are good for our business. Yep. But in, in reality, it's going to change our trajectory in a way that's like iterative and right. not forward pushing. You yep. know what I mean? So yep. I always just practice like, yep. you know, like you said, like realize that they're there, but not necessarily talking about them and thinking about them. Yep. Yeah. You have to run your own game, but yeah, I, I mean, I, it comes down to confidence too. Yeah. I will say though, that there's plenty of great ideas that we've taken oh, yeah, just flat out <laughs> taken from our competitors. <laughs> so, you know, we sign up for all the emails. We yeah, like yeah. sign up for all the subscriptions, look what they're doing. And there are plenty of times we go, Oh, shit, that's, that's great. We should do it like this, but this way. I think you just have to have a healthy dose of skepticism. Like when you read a competitor's press release, realize that's probably the best foot forward of whatever that is that they're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, that. they're so probably thinking about you when they're writing it. Position <laughs> it. And so, I mean, it's important to understand, but run your own race. I had, a, mm-hmm. I had an uh, interesting experience one time. So um, we were raising and um, we were talking to tons of investors and giving out like, our pitch deck, which had our numbers and which had like all kinds of insights into our company. Mm-hmm. And we met with this one guy and nice guy. We sat down and we were like laying out the, the plan. Like this is where we're going. This mm-hmm. is everything. Oh, by the way, but at the end of that meeting, I don't know if he was just a douchebag or what, <laughs> but he was like, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm an advisor to your biggest competition. Ah, yeah. mother. Yeah, dude, it made me so mad. I was like, dude, that was an episode of Silicon Valley, uh, on, uh, HBO series. That's like, <laughs> that's like, just made me so angry. I know, and um, I got a big cluck right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I, I had to very, very strategically <sighs> choose how I was going to yep. react, and I chose just to not obsess over it, yep. not think about it, yep. and kind of move forward. That, and and realistically, all the numbers that we gave him were completely irrelevant two months right. later. That's a really good point. There's that's a bit of a um, investor trick. We all know your tricks, um, but investors will call other startups, or they will, you know, have and not not all of them. There's just a few bad apples, um, but they will call other startups and ask them for information or whatever. So, you know, I always kind of say you can show off the car, but you can't show them how the engine works. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and also like just do your homework on who you're talking to. Um, man, I've, I've even had like just people just flat out pose like a customer or, you know, pose as an investor and they're not even who they say they are just because they're trying to, to figure out something. So we had a competitor at Nano Nation who actually stole our entire website word for word. They were in Australia. We that happened to us like a couple of weeks ago in <laughs> no, the UK. It was word for word, down to the Sorry. down to the point where it was actually uh, even the bios of the management team. They put their yeah. names, but they're and they changed like the yeah. universities. But it's like this is so much harder to actually we had photos replicate of and take out this kind of <laughs> stuff. Had, it's like what are you doing? Yeah, we had that too in we Russia. Had, <laughs> we had fo- we had photos of employees in like the UK <laughs> and somebody's like and it was called like a oh, oh my gosh box or something like that. And uh, Kelsey, one of our employees, is like, I'm on their site. What that? Like, I'm on their website. I'm like, oh man. So uh, we had a lawyer contact them, but they actually took it down before it was even. Yeah. But also like. That's like the highest form of flattery. Yeah, exactly. Right? Oh, like absolutely. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but we were also laughing at it. And of course it happened like, you know, two minutes before an executive board meeting. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't even like look at this right now. Yeah. So. We, we had a company literally clone our app verbatim. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I don't know how much code they ripped off or whatever, but it was like the UI and everything was yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. They changed the colors. They changed it to like a crappy yeah. brown. And that's why you always have to be evolving. Like you can't, focus on what 
your competitor exactly. is doing with a feature yeah. or whatever. It's like, how are you going to know that it's there? And but again, how are you going to differentiate it? And, and how is that going to affect your customers and your market yeah, and what yeah. you're trying to build? And also, I mean, to be like, you should be respectful of it. Like be mindful and respectful of them. But it doesn't mean that like in your head, you're not like holding them down on the ground, like wanting to really like <laughs> crush them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like you can be respectful and you can be mindful and you don't have to be an asshole to your competition. Um, I know that we've had a few people that have launched products and, um, you know, they'll call us out on advertising or, um, they actually get things incorrect, like comparing their product to us or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just pick up the phone. Like it's not hard to find somebody's phone number. And, um, that has happened a few times. Um, one time somebody just flat out w- was, they were saying completely incorrect things about us. Um, and I called them on like a Saturday night and actually got a hold of the founder and I was like, there's not enough room or there's not enough time in a day for us to get into this, like to get, mm-hmm. for us to get into this back and forth. Um, I don't want to do it. Um, you know, if you want to check your inbox and this is what we're about to do, um, or we can just shake hands and, you know, not go after each other. Did that work? And it absolutely worked. That's awesome. Um, I think the person actually panicked that I like called them mm-hmm. like, well, and, um, and, and they were like actually super cool, like super respectful. And there, it was like, man, like we were talking about, like it kind of was like, we were joking, but then it went up and like, I'm just, like, it was apologetic. And I was like, no, that's cool. Um, and also like, you need to know when to get your lawyer involved. Cause we've had stuff ripped off and we try picking up the phone and, um, nothing's going through. And then you might need that letter from your lawyer sent to your competition. I think, um, Hugh Bart. This week's episode is brought to you by Dillashaw LLC. And now a word from Bart. When it is finally time for a company to, to raise outside money from another investor, um, there's uh, this is a process that's talked about over and over. It's what you know. It's what you hear about when you hear companies going out and financing. I think it's important for companies to keep in mind that this is a, a world in and of itself. And, um, you know, there's a lot of research out there and there's a lot of stuff that you can read. But fundamentally going into the financing, you want to make sure that your, your books are in order. Know that there is going to be an investor on the other end of this that's going to be asking you questions, that's going to be looking at your corporate records, that's going to be validating the ownership of your company, that's going to be tracing out the ownership of the IP, that's going to be looking at your employment agreements. Heading into that, you want to be prepared for those questions. You want to get all of your ducks in a row. And frankly, you want to be um, have all of those documents organized and, and ready to respond as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Better call Bart. I think, um, you know, when it comes to comparing your company against others, you have to be really careful. I mean, I, I was actually just explaining this to somebody. Um, whenever we first came out of the gate, we were, you know, gung-ho, super gung-ho about, um, you know, explaining the differences, but, you know, basically having like a features table list and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, what do you we're, think about we're, that? we're the best, uh, you know, a dot here, check mark here, yeah. check, uh, check marks yeah. all the way down and our competition has nothing. But then, uh, you know, our, our approach kind of changed, um, you're probably just educating people on your competition. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> hey, here's these other guys. We're not a good fit. Take a look at them. Right. Well, it, you know, it's interesting that we actually kind of flipped our approach and showed a little bit of vulnerability because we didn't have screen sharing and some of the stuff that our other competition did. So we actually left those boxes unchecked. I dig that. And it's it's really interesting, that kind of candid vulnerability. We, we would have people emailing us and saying like, Hey, I, I super respect that you guys didn't check the boxes because I signed up and there was no screen sharing. Right. And it, and and then I go back and look at your feature list and it's not checked. That's and cool. it, it you know it kind of sets a tone to your customers like sure. 
you know, we're, we're being honest about right. where we fall down. Yep. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. interesting if, if, I mean, sometimes on those things, there's like just literally no way to ever know if that's the right thing to do or wrong thing to do, yeah. but you just have to trust it's, your It's judgment. experimentation and, you know, yeah. just like throwing stuff out there and seeing what resonates with people just like yep. anything. But and if it's on brand, like that's, that's also yeah, a exactly. huge part. So. Yeah. Um, what, what is the worst thing that you guys have experienced like a competitor do to you or, um, mm. the, what, what comes to mind or maybe it's the most gratifying thing. Like what, what comes to mind when you think of, um, mm. um the kind of biggest memory involved with competition? Well, having all my marketing content stolen yeah. word, word for word is pretty up there. As far as like, well, Did you it, write all of it? And yeah, it was, exactly. I was like, damn. well, the, the funny thing is I actually ran into them at a trade show. I went to Australia and, and found the company and wow. I walked up to him and said, I love your website. And he said, yeah, thanks. And I said, I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh. Oh, man. Like, oh, no, it was our web design firm, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, we'd Q-bar. like you to yeah, take that down. Thank <laughs> you. And here is my lawyer. <laughs> I brought my lawyer Good on this day, trip. sir. <laughs> yeah. Puts on monocle, top hat, walks away. <laughs> what about you, Matt? Um, outside of the company that ripped us off completely, like our app and everything, um, we were they in the U.S. or were they, they were in Russia? Yeah, so, yeah. That's like a whole nother topic, yeah. like competition overseas, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Like, that, like uh, that's it happens. We had, not, there was another that was something company. I did not think about when we launched. Yeah, we had two clones, so we had one in Russia and one in Japan. Yeah. Um, but you know, outside of that, like reputable companies, so we had a large company. Not going to mention their name. Um, call us in for a meeting, and they were positioning it as an acquisition meeting. Mm. Um, right which is frustrating <laughs> uh, because it wasn't that right. it was basically, they brought like one of their super technical people in to ask us a ton of questions and another ne- episode of Silicon Valley, right? never, <laughs> never heard from them again. Yep. Yep. Had that. I've had that phone call, had those meetings before. And I find myself like, I've actually joked one time with a big multi-billion dollar company. I was like, Oh, that's the $50 million question. Like I'll, I'll show you <laughs> what we're doing. I'm not going to tell you how that's the part where you start paying. For it. <laughs> and they laughed like they yeah. knew that well, wasn't what they that were trying like to do. An episode of the office where he said, I have a three part plan and you can get like part what you, uh, I'll give you uh, bullet point one of part one today. And if you hire me, I'll give you the rest of the plan. What's that one? Yeah. What's that one guy? Like 37 steps or oh, yeah. whatever. <laughs> like Ferrari in a garage. Here's 37 steps. I haven't actually looked at that. I'm, I've actually heard some interesting, good things about it. Can you talk about, um, the design thing that happened? The logo? Oh yeah. I think that's really interesting. So that was like way early on and that actually scared the out of me when you went through oh, yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't tell you that, but I was like, damn. <laughs> it scared me too, yeah. So, I, again, I'm not going to mention the company name. Um, we had a very large company, multi, multi billion dollar corporation. Yep. Re- reach out to us and saying, like, hey, you stole our logo. And we didn't. It yeah. looks looks nothing like yeah, the logo. Yeah. Like, you look at their logo, and, and we're in, the, and, and coincidentally, we're in, in the same space. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, I don't know how much I should talk about this. I got to guard myself here. Um, so basically like we just talked to a lawyer and we ended up changing the logo. Yeah. Um, because there's like, you know, Can't nothing we can do. Yeah. And Smalling. do you, are you, do you have the cash? Do you have the time? Are exactly. you ready for we, this? And this is before we raised. Yep. So we had gotten a ton of press and yeah. had like no money. We, yep. we were not even paying ourselves. Yeah. Like, it was like yeah. six months went by and we didn't pay ourselves anything. And so we were just like scraping by. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, scared, so that that's, the crap. Out yeah, of I think that brings up an interesting point of like there's like different variables of competition. I mean, they probably saw you guys and were intimidated by you and just thought like, what can we do to like you know crush their spirits? And, and or you know that they, they or they, they just have a full. A house full of lawyers that right. that's job exactly is, it. <laughs> yeah. just look for things. Got that, yeah. We've got, got those pre- letters. We've got to protect right? it. Yeah, you know, we yeah. have to. If we don't send you a letter, then well, we're pro- not protecting our stuff. They're Therefore, protecting their yeah. job, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they're just sitting around doing nothing. So they're like, oh, let's Google. Uh, well, let's get these logos. And you know that's what they're doing. They're yeah. just sitting around. But it's just kind of a, I don't know. It's a sucky thing about being in business in general. It absolutely is. And there's a lot of things that you don't think about and that there's no way to kind of anticipate. So, you know, I I think know that, and this is, I think a lot of stuff that a lot of startups don't ever talk about, especially like publicly, but you know, if you're out there and you know, there's some shit in the fan or whatever, like it's totally normal. Um, and you know, do your best and seek good advisors, but, um, all right, I'm going to be quiet. How to wrap it up on competition. So I don't even know. <laughs> we covered it, a lot of topics. Yeah. So know your competition, pay attention to it. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think it's important to go to trade shows, watch the trade publications, mm-hmm. read the press releases and that, but don't get like suckered into um, positioning or running your company based on what your competitors, competitors are doing. And, and stay away from being obsessive. Um, you know, no, yeah. Like you just said, know that they exist. Uh, keep them at an arm's length. Uh, and don't be a douchebag and rip off people's websites. <laughs> I say hold them down and squeeze their lifeless breath out of their body. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was, I was super into that statement. I don't yeah, know. No. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, honestly, like be mindful, be respectful, but like deep down you should have that burning desire to just put someone out of their misery as a competitor. Like my, yeah. I think you're doing it wrong if you don't have that kind of in the pit of your stomach, yeah. but there's the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. I had struggled, like, this is the thing that I had struggled with. Like, I thought that I, I read The Lean Startup, I read The Four Steps of the Epiphany. I read all of that stuff, and yet when it was, uh, you know, after going through this, and, like, with Roommate Fit especially, like, I thought I had built something people wanted, I thought I went through the process, I thought every, I did everything correctly. But, unfortunately, like, we ended up failing, and the main reason was because we couldn't get traction. This is Justin Mayers, author of the popular book on gaining market attention for your product, aptly titled Traction. It's a phenomenal book that goes in depth on the various methods and tactics real startups are using to grow their numbers. I'm super excited to have Justin on the show because he brings fresh insight to the table. In this interview, Justin not only goes deep on traction, but also gives a solid history of his journey as an entrepreneur. Here we go. So I guess this, I guess to start off, um, you know, prior to writing Traction, um, you spent some time in the trenches as a startup founder yourself. Mm-hmm. So can you tell our audience a little bit, of kind of a brief history of your startup adventures before writing the book? Yeah. So let's see. So I started my first company when I was in college. Uh, I was a sophomore in college, and like, like I think many students coming in, you know, they go to college for the first time, first time living with someone. I had like an awful roommate experience. And so my first company was uh, basically started what I called Roommate Fit, which was like an eHarmony for roommates. So we did like personality-based roommate matching. Uh, So we got some traction, like we got some revenue. We matched like 8,000 students, uh, went through an accelerator there. But ultimately, like 
selling to universities is possibly the worst thing ever. And I will never do it again. <laughs> like it's painful. So that didn't really work. But, um, and then after that, I co-founded a company called CloudFab, which was a 3D printing company. So we built like the first API for 3D printing. This was way back in the earlier days before uh, 3D printing was like hot. And personally, I think we were a little too early, but it was a really cool experience that ended up getting acquired for like a small sum. Uh, and then after that, I joined a company called Exceptional Cloud Services where we built like software tools for software developers. And uh, we got acquired by Rackspace for eight figures in like 2013, in mid-2013. So uh, yeah, and then wrote Traction. Came out with Traction cool. a couple months after. So yeah, and you wrote, co-wrote this with uh, Gabriel Weinberg of DuckDuckGo. How did you guys meet? Did. And how did you get connected about writing this book? Yeah, so... You know, traction was something that I had always struggled with. Always had a lot of questions around wanting to become a good marketer, learn more about it. Uh, and Gabriel had been working on some of the interviews like since 2009, basically. So we met because we we're both, my family's based in Philly and he's a Philly based entrepreneur. And so we, uh, yeah, we just met and kind of like pitched him on doing this together and getting you know, getting it out there and that's what we did. And it's been, it's like the reception has been so awesome, which has been cool. So why did you decide to kind of write a book specifically about traction? What, what was the thing that kind of attracted you to that subject matter? Yeah, honestly, the main thing was I had struggled, like this is the thing that I had struggled with. Like I thought that I, I read the Lean Startup, I read the Four Steps of the Epiphany. I read all of that stuff and yet when it was, uh, you know, after going through this and like with roommate fit, especially like I thought I had built something people wanted. I thought I went through the process. I thought every, I did everything correctly, but unfortunately like we ended up failing. And the main reason was because we couldn't get traction. And so for me, I thought that that was like the main problem that I was struggling with. And after talking to just tons of other entrepreneurs, like that's a huge problem in almost every business. And so, you know, that's the book. We wanted to basically write the lean startup for what you do once you have an MVP or a product that you think is working. Yeah, and what I like, what I really love about the book is how tactical the advice and examples are. Yeah. You, you kind of outline the 19 different areas of traction and that. How did you go about researching the book? Oh, man, it took forever. <laughs> like we had, <laughs> so we interviewed more than 40 entrepreneurs who had been successful or gotten traction through each of the different 19 channels that we mentioned in the book. But as we did that, we read like hundreds of blog posts. We talked to people about, you know, like experts in a channel like SEO. Like, what do you do? If you were us, what would you include? What do you think, um, you know, what articles do you think are worth including or what should we do? So we just got a ton of really expert feedback from people who have just been crushing like these different marketing channels. So we use them really to inform what we included in the book. And like we wanted most of all to just make it really tactical because, you know, honestly, I have, I have a huge issue with business books that I think are just like awful and not tactical and just kind of a waste of space. And like 
super fluffy. And so we wanted to do the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned, obviously, Lean Startup, and there's other books out there that are kind of more high level than that. How do, how do you think traction applies to the overall Lean Startup framework, and where does it apply? Uh, I think it works really well with Lean Startup. Like We actually did an interview with Eric Reese where we talked about this, but basically, like Lean Startup is how do I build a product and validate certain features with different customers. You know, it's like you have this idea or you have a product. How do you figure out what features to build next and how do you validate that those features are what customers actually want? Like that is the entire purpose of Lean Startup and it does it really, really well. Nowhere in that, however, does it say anything like here is how you actually get your first hundred customers or here's how you go from a hundred customers to a thousand. And so we just saw a lot of entrepreneurs were like, lost in that space where they use Lean Startup and they applied this framework and they, they validated a product and they did a bunch of good stuff. And then once they had 10 customers, they were like, you know, where do we go from here? And there was no similar methodology to figure that out. Sorry, why do you think folks struggle and why did kind of you struggle personally with um, finding traction? Why do you think it's such a common problem? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. Like there are... Let's see, I would say there's a couple. So one thing that's big is that if you look at growth hackers or hacker news or whatever, there are tons and tons of different traction channels and marketing hacks and growth hacks that people talk about all the time. And so unlike building a product where it's like, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on this like feature, or we're gonna fix this bug and my customers told me that they want it, so like I can go build that and it'll be a net win for the company. Marketing is kind of like you're taking more of a shot in the dark and you're like, man, I, I hope this marketing channel will work. You know? And so we saw a lot of people would like read online like how this business used content marketing to get a hundred thousand visitors a month. And then they would write three blog posts, find that it wasn't that easy or it didn't work for them. And then they would start testing some other like Facebook ads hack that they saw you know, online or whatever. And so after all these different things, we were like, we saw that uh, basically this is what people struggled with. And like, they didn't really have a systematic way to approach the problem of getting traction for their business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, in the book, you talk a lot about, you kind of put it into a framework, you call it the bullseye framework of how um, startup founders can kind of tackle this idea of traction and figure out which particular channels are going to be most effective. Can you walk our audience through the bullseye framework a little bit? Sure, yeah. So the basic idea behind the bullseye framework is like you look at each of the 19 different traction channels you could potentially use to acquire customers. And then you figure out, you know, through a process of brainstorming, uh, interviewing people, you know, looking at what other companies who tried to reach your same target customers have done well. And you say like, okay, here are some channels that I think makes sense for a business. You run small tests in those channels. Like if you think Facebook ads might work, you spend $500 or $1,000 on Facebook ads and then double down on what works. So you find Facebook ads work and you up your budget to like 5K or 10K a month, you know, until you tap out that channel and then you kind of go through the process again. Very interesting. So which of the 19 areas do you think startups either overuse or, or conversely don't take advantage of enough? Or are there particular ch- channels that work better? That's, that's a really hard question. I mean, just because it's so dependent on the type of company you are. 
like if you're selling, um, you know, million dollar software to Fortune 500 companies or something like bank security software or whatever, that's a very very different type of business than if you're trying to get a hundred thousand downloads on your mobile app. And so it really is dependent on the business, on what channels are available to them, and on just where their customers hang out. So in your research on that, have you found that startups use, you know, typically try one particular channel over the others and, and then, again, either find traction or not? Or uh, how systematic have you seen folks uh, either using what you've uh, put out in the book to, to actually gain traction? Yeah, so we've seen, we've seen people use our stuff really systematically, which is really cool. Like, uh, but in, to answer your first question, um, I see a lot of startups focusing on things that even if they were to work somehow, their business wouldn't change. You know, like I've seen companies that have maybe 10,000 customers or whatever, and they're like, cool, we're going to start doing podcast interviews. And, you know, it's like there's like four podcasts in their niche. They have less than, I don't know, 5,000 listeners or something. Like this is especially prevalent with some developer tools companies I've seen. Um, but it's like, guys, even if you got every, or like, you know, a 10% conversion rate on everyone in that marketing channel, like it wouldn't make that much of a difference to your business, you know? And so you see that a lot where the same thing happens where someone is like, oh, you know, we have, I don't know, however many customers we're going to try writing like blog posts, or we're going to try and do a bunch of stuff with AdWords in a really niche category that gets only a couple thousand searches a month. Like, even if it works, it's just not worth doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So who, who do you see in the market that's kind of getting it right and doing a, a good job at kind of systematically uh, working through their, their channels? Oh, man, I mean, there's so many companies. Like my co-author, Gabriel, his company is doing an incredible job. Like if you go to duckduckgo.com slash traffic, his search engine, uh, their traffic is just like hitting the classic hockey, stir, hockey stick growth curve. So, so, I mean, that company is doing incredibly well. Zenefits has, like, they tested their way to figuring out um, that outbound email, like doing, like, outreach to different companies that fit their potential customer base works really, really well for them. And so they're scaling that incredibly. Like, they're hiring hundreds of SDRs. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month with, um, you know, different scraping companies. They're like testing all these email scripts to really scale that channel. So I'd say like those are two companies that are doing a really, really good jobs of applying this framework and like iterating and doubling down. Very interesting. You know, in the 19 channels, you, you again, you have a pretty wide variety of ways to uh, reach an audience, everything from, you know, trade shows to speaking engagements to, you know, content marketing, blogging and things like that. Um, what are some of the things that – are there particular channels that work better if you're like B2B versus B2C? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one, one very obvious one is like sales, like doing outbound sales or, uh, you know, getting on the phone with every customer. That just doesn't make sense if you're trying to do a consumer-focused uh, site. You know, if you're trying to get app downloads, like maybe that's an okay strategy at first to get your first like hundred or thousand downloads. But 
it just doesn't make sense over the long term. So that, that's like a very clear and easy one. And then what, what are some of the ta- tacti- tactics that you use to get uh, book uh, traction on your book? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so we wrote a really big blog post about this. It was like traction by the numbers. Uh, we wrote it about two months after it came out. But it was like, here are the different channels that we use to sell roughly 10,000 copies or more than 10,000 copies in just like two months. And so the big things there were um, podcast interviews actually were huge for us. Like I didn't realize how big of a channel that would be, but it it was. Then another thing was we did uh, some guest posts and like co-email marketing with some people who have larger lists. But the biggest one by far for us was actually just hitting up our email list. Like we have a very responsive email list and we had, you know, we had uh, almost 10,000 people that were really supportive and like really like they bought our book almost immediately after we launched. And so, and that was, that was a list that you curated before. Yeah. So we, we'd spent about a year or two uh, creating that. So we just had, you know, a landing page and like we had people signing up and, uh, got email addresses that way. Very cool. Very cool. So you kind of had a pre-built audience so that you knew when you launched the book, you'd actually be able to get traction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it was so worth it because I mean, we launched the book and like within an hour or two of sending out that email, we were in like the top 50 of Amazon. Amazing. So uh, that's really all the questions I had about the book. What's next on your plate? Yeah, so I am working on my own uh, company, actually. So, you know, after this book launch is done, it's coming out October 6th, uh, I am doing, like, probably 75% focus on my own company, probably 25% on the book launch. But after that's done, I'm going to be 100% heads down, just, like, starting my next thing. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much to Justin for taking time to catch up with us today. If you have a question for us this week, let us know on Twitter at the IO podcast. And if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, go ahead and do that now. Music for this podcast is brought to you by bensound.com. Until next time, go build something big.